How many of us have ever been in trouble or made a mess of your life and thought this to yourself? Boy, have I gotten myself in a mess, but I cannot ask God to help me because it's my own fault. I'm too embarrassed. I'm too ashamed to ask the Lord for help. Or, or you know what? I just don't think God has the time to deal with someone like me in my situation. I cannot tell you how many people over the years have shared that kind of an idea with me. I remember one specific lady that myself and a couple of other pastors visited with over and over again and just tried to share with her that, that the Lord loved her and He had a purpose for her and He wanted to save her and He wanted to forgive her. And I remember her just saying, Pastor Robbie, I want to know God. I want to be forgiven. But I've just done so much wrong in my life. I just can't believe that God could help someone like me. Isn't that sad? And this is the idea that we have. We begin to think to ourselves, you know what? I shouldn't have gotten myself into this situation. It's my own fault, and I'm going to have to find a way out of it. Can I share something with you tonight? Because we're here to expose the lies of the enemy, right? Okay, and we're here to learn God's truth because it's his truth that will set us free. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to think. Because he knows that if we begin thinking, I got myself into this, it's my own fault, I'll have to get myself out of it, he knows that we can never get ourselves out of it. In fact, without the Lord, the situation will only get worse. Now listen, it is true. We should not plan to get in a mess all the time. Amen? That should not be our plan going in. And then try to say, okay, I'm just going to get in a mess, and then God will bail me out. I'll just call on Him, and He'll bail me out. First of all, I don't think most of us in this room are thinking that. If you're here tonight, you're not thinking, hey, I'm just going to try to take advantage of God. And, and secondly, you can't do that anyway. We can't manipulate God. We can't say, I'm going to get myself in a mess, and, and then He'll get me out of it. Well, you can't manipulate God. No. The Lord wants us to turn to Him way before we ever get into that kind of mess. But listen, friends, this is the point tonight. If and when you do get yourself in trouble, we should turn to the Lord and not turn away from Him in shame and try to do it ourselves. Because it only gets us in deeper. Well, tonight we're opening up our Bibles to Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And we saw in the first couple of messages of this series how God had spoken to this man named Jonah. Uh, Jonah was a guy that had walked with God, and Jonah was actually a guy who was a prophet of God, and God had called Jonah to do something very specific. But Jonah, like us, didn't like the, the plan that the Lord had for him, and so he said, I'm just going to run. And last time we saw what kind of trouble that can get our lives into, how if we run away from God, if we run away from His plan for life, it's going to cause a lot of problems for us, and it's going to cause a lot of problems for the people around us as well. But tonight we're going to pick up in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, where we left off last time, and I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about what do you do when you hit rock bottom. Let's look at uh, Jonah 2, verse 1. Well, actually, starting back in verse 17... Remember we talked about how it was a terrible storm and Jonah said, okay guys, just throw me overboard. That'll take care of it and you guys will be safe. And they said, oh Lord, 
please don't hold us accountable if this is the wrong thing to do, but we don't know what else to do. So they threw him in there. They picked him up. They threw him into the ocean. The ocean stopped this raging. Then the men had a little Sunday school party there in verse 16. And then in verse 17, <laughs> sailors, you remember that? And then in verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of that fish three days and three nights. Now we're in verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. You think you're stubborn. You think you're thick-headed. It took him a while to finally... <laughs> then the guy finally prays. And he said this, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol, and you heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. That's graphic, isn't it? I descended, or again, he was going down, we talked about. I went down to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed or promised, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then in verse 10, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry ground. Let's talk about tonight, what should you do when you hit rock bottom? Or maybe we should say in Jonah's case, what should you do when you hit the bottom of the ocean? Well, first of all, in the middle of your mess, don't be ashamed to call upon the Lord. Now let's remember what happened in this story. After that drama in the boat and with the sailors and with the storm, like I said, Jonah just finally said, okay, just throw me overboard. And those guys, they were kind of reluctant to do it, but finally they said, okay, this storm, and again, these were, these were seasoned sailors, but these sailors were so scared of this storm, they said, okay, we'll do it. We, we, think, we're, we hope we're not doing the wrong thing in doing this, but if it'll stop this storm, we're going to throw this guy overboard. And we don't know how long it was that Jonah tumbled in the ocean before that fish came along, but you don't get the impression that it was very long that he was in that water before that fish came. I just heard this week that many divers are trying to push the limits of how long people can stay underwater. But from what I understand, if you actually uh, inhaled pure oxygen and went underwater, the best in all the world can only stay under for about 20 minutes. And if you just breathe normal air, the best in all the world can only breathe for about 10 minutes. And most of us can only breathe for about 2 or 3 minutes, okay? So here's what that tells us. Unless Jonah was a world-class athlete, which most prophets of God aren't, Except for me and Pastor Todd. But anyway, <laughs> but even then, even if you were a world-class athlete, it would have only been about 10 minutes, because remember, he didn't have any pure oxygen that he could take in right at that moment. 
it probably was just very quickly after Jonah had fallen into that water that he got swallowed up by this fish. Now, there's a couple of things I want to point out to you in these verses. It said that the Lord appointed or prepared or set aside for that very purpose a fish for Jonah. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I just find that interesting. I mean, has anybody ever read those stories about uh, the donkey that was born and, and he went through life and he was just a regular donkey and he ended up being the donkey that took Jesus into Jerusalem for his triumphal entry? Anybody ever read those stories? Or you ever read the story? It's like little kid stories. It's like here's the tree that was a sapling and it was born and it was this, it was that. And all of a sudden you find out at the end of the story that that was the tree that was the cross that Christ died. You ever read those stories before? Okay, a few of you have, all right. Well, that's kind of the idea. That's, that's here, is that you know, there was this fish, and, and God's very purpose for this fish, well, he was going to prepare it one day to swallow his prophet. I just think that's kind of interesting. I don't know about you, but I think about what kind of fish was it. Well, most of us have heard all of our lives it was a what? It was a well. The Bible says it was a great fish it was a large fish and i think most of us have always assumed that it was a whale it's kind of like you know most of us think that adam ate a what he ate an apple he ate some fruit right and we just say he had an apple all right i'm not sure exactly what kind of fish it was but think think about this it comes across in these verses listen that Jonah was pleasantly surprised to find himself still alive. Okay, now I want you to think about that for just a minute. Like we talked about last time, when Jonah got swallowed by this fish, can you imagine the experience of getting swallowed by a fish? Can you imagine that? Okay, I'm in this water, I'm in this storm that scares sailors, and in the middle of that storm, and I shared with you some of our church family, uh, actually, no, I shared it on Sunday, uh, but somebody after the Saturday night service said that they had been in the military and that they had been in a bad, uh, a, a bad storm, actually, when they were coming home uh, at the end of their military career. And they said they'd been at the, in the worst storm they'd ever been on. And they said, as bad as that storm was and as bad as the boat was rocking, I would never have gotten off that boat into the storm. Okay? Can you imagine the terror that this guy went through and then now he's getting thrown into that mess and then when he goes in... He gets swallowed and gulped up by a fish. Can you imagine feeling that fish's mouth and tongue and all that stuff and going down in there? Now, I suppose it could have been a, a whale. But what if it was a great white shark? It says it was a great fish. It was a large fish. Some great white sharks have been known to be 20 feet long and have been shown to eat food as big as a human being. Now, a whale sounds scary to me, but, but you know what? A whale sort of sounds like a bad ride at the Great Escape to me, right? I mean, I sort of, wow, you know, I sort of went through a lot, but I mean, it's just, you know, a big whale. But a great white? I mean, I scratched up against some teeth coming in, and this is the kind of thing that could eat you up the shark, to me, gives a picture of, wow, I can't believe I made it through that. No matter what it was, a whale, a shark, or some dinosaur-like sea creature, because there's all kinds of creatures in the ocean that we ain't never seen before, amen? I don't know what God appointed, raised up special for Jonah, 
But you get the idea that Jonah felt pretty good about finding himself still alive through that. He said to himself, I was a goner, but there might still be hope for me. Now listen, and in the middle of that mess, Jonah began to do something. Listen, Jonah began to do something that many of you have been told not to do in the middle of trouble. Many of us have been taught throughout our lives, even by church, that when you are in trouble, you are not supposed to pray. You are not supposed to bother God. You are not supposed to dare to believe that you got in this mess and now you're going to bother God with your little old life. But as Jonah found himself in this situation, even though he had made a lot of wrong decisions, he finally made a good one and started praying. Friends, we need to mark something as critical at this point in this story. Sometimes it's not just the mess that we've gotten ourselves into. Sometimes it's how much we wallow in it or accept that as our final fate when we get there. Whether we meant to get there or not, sometimes we're all going to find ourselves in a mess. Amen? But there's no reason to do what? Stay there. And I want to help us identify what I think happens many times. Listen, we have an enemy. And we need to be a part, a part of exposing the lies of the enemy and giving God's truth tonight. Listen, I want to share with you, the enemy loves to encourage us to get into messes. Now, we're not going to go that route of what some churches, some Christians, they want to act like the devil made everybody do everything, Okay. Like there's a devil behind every bush and he made me do it and it's his fault, not mine. No, you were a pretty easy target. Amen? In fact, the Bible says in the book of James that the reason we're tempted is because we give him a lot to work with. All right, I'm just paraphrasing what it says in James chapter 1. All right, but the Bible says that the enemy tries to bring us into these situations and we certainly many times are very easy targets. Why is that? Let's just identify that for just a moment. Why is it that we're so susceptible to getting into those difficult situations? Number one, we've we got a sin nature, don't we? We live in a body that is broken. We live in a sinful world that is broken. There are a lot of opportunities around us to do wrong things, right? And then we've got an enemy working against us, doing a lot to try to feed us a lot of those opportunities. So it makes sense that we make a lot of wrong choices, but it doesn't mean it's a good choice, amen? Okay, so we have an enemy who loves to encourage us to go that direction. But listen, what the enemy really loves is keeping us in that place. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Have you ever thought this to yourself in the middle of a difficult situation? Well, I've already messed up, and everybody knows it. I may as well go all out. Have you ever thought that? Anybody else besides me? Hey, look, I was doing pretty good for a while. I was putting on a pretty good front. I had a pretty good testimony, but you know what? By now, I've messed up. Everybody else knows about it, and man, I'm just going to go all out. Can I just tell you something? That is not from God. Did you hear that tonight? That thought in your mind is not from your good Lord. Just like the story, write down Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. 
just like the story of the prodigal son, the Lord wants you in your pig pen to come to your senses. He wants us to turn back towards home. And when we turn back towards home, we're not going to find him ignoring us. We're not going to find him even scolding us. We're going to find him waiting, looking down the road, and excited that we finally come home. Amen? Isn't that good news? Many times I tell people, listen, it may be bad right now, Listen, friend, this might save your life right here. It may be bad right now, but it can get worse. As bad as it is, if you choose to let it. Jonah had made some really bad decisions, but as bad, listen, as bad as his choices had been, he still had the opportunity to live. That's a good one. Amen? Whew, I'm still alive. Wow, thank you, Lord. We're going to find out he still had the opportunity to complete the assignment God had given him to go back and to make it right. And he still had the opportunity for God to continue working in his life. You might have made some bad decisions tonight. You may be in some pretty tough straits right now. But don't be ashamed to call upon the Lord in that mess. Here's what I tell people. Don't get yourself in the pig pen in the first place. But when you get there, man, call upon the Lord. Amen? Man, if you're there, that's the time to call upon the Lord. So Jonah wasn't ashamed to do that. But the next thing is this. Admit what you've done to the Lord. Hey, you know what? The enemy wants to shame us so much that, that we say, you know, I can't do that. I can't, I can't pray. I can't talk to the Lord. I'm in this mess. I've got to get myself. He likes to keep us in that place. But another struggle that we have that Jonah was overcoming here is that he was finally willing to admit what he had done. It's not just that Jonah prayed or cried out to God, but look at the nature of his prayer. Listen to what Jonah said. Now, basically, this is what he said to the Lord. He said, Lord, I have gotten myself in a really big mess. Listen to how he said that. Listen to these verses. Look at verse 2. Let me go back to Jonah chapter 2. In verse 2, he, he called it his distress. In verse 2, he says, I'm crying out to the Lord for help from the depth of Sheol. Okay, that was kind of a Jewish way of saying the grave. Jonah was saying, I've gotten about as close as you can get to dying without actually dying yet. He says uh, he was also in the deep, in the heart of the sea. He, he talks about being engulfed by the waters around him in verse 3. Maybe that's how you could describe your situation sometimes. I was in deep. I was about as low as you could possibly go. What do we say? What do we say that Jonah, the, the ocean that he was in, do you remember what I said? The average uh, depth of the ocean, the Mediterranean Sea. Does anybody remember? About 5,000 feet. Okay, so we know when Jonah went down to the bottom of the ocean, he was at least a mile down. And we also know that the Mediterranean Ocean at its, at its uh, deepest point is about three miles deep. And I told you, I don't know this for sure, but I have a feeling when we go to heaven one day and we have those classes on cool things that you never knew, okay, about history, I guarantee you, if we mark the spot where Jonah was at, I bet you that God made him a special fish, and that fish took him to the deepest part of the Mediterranean Sea. I guarantee you. I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Have you ever felt like that? I have gotten about as deep as you could possibly go. I felt engulfed. I felt surrounded by the storm. Those are, those are all images that, that, that Jonah's using throughout this passage, and he continues throughout the remaining verses. Now, I also want you to notice this. 
he says this about those situations. He says, God, in all of that, I saw you in it. Did you notice that language? Look at those verses. He says, you had cast me into the deep in verse 3. He says, God, uh, it, it was all your waves that were passing over me. There it says in verse, the end of verse 3. He says, into the heart of the seas and the current engulfed me. All your breakers, most of those are words for waves, all your breakers and your billows passed over me. Now what is he saying? Well, don't, let's not misinterpret what Jonah's saying. He's not saying this was God's fault. Okay? I don't believe he's saying that this was God's judgment or God's rejection of him, but because does God ever truly judge and reject his children? Absolutely not. Okay? But listen, there is a difference between judgment and discipline. Do you understand that? Write down Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. In Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, the Bible says that there are times in our life where God disciplines us. Anybody a testimony for that? Okay. And actually, even though that, that, that passage even says that it's not always a pleasant thing, any kids saying amen, discipline fun? Amen, not really, right? Even though discipline at the time is not always a pleasant thing, the Bible says that the reason us parents do that is because we love our kids... And we want what's best for them. And the Bible says that God does that to his children as well. And, and God's purpose in his discipline is this. It's not that he's wanting to punish us or he's wanting to make things hard on us. But actually, and I began to realize this a few years ago as a parent. Discipline is for the purpose of guiding that child's life in such a way to get them back on that good path. Do you see that? That's what discipline is for. It's not always pleasant, Amen. But God's good purpose is to get us back to a good place. And actually, with God's help, because he's such a great God and he can overcome things in such a great way, he can actually get us back to a better place than we ever were before. Isn't that amazing? So it's almost like this. Jonah was saying, God, in every wave that crashed, I could hear your voice speaking my name. Remember how we talked about in chapter 1, verse 2? That initial call by God, uh, Jonah, uh, the Lord said to Jonah, get up, arise, and go cry out to the people of Nineveh. Remember how I said in verse 6, that same terminology was used by the captain when he went down to the bottom of the boat. He said, get up and cry out. And I said, you know what, sometimes people don't realize it, but they say things and God is echoing his message to us through them. Amen? I think that those waves kept crashing and through those waves crashing that Jonah had a sense that God is all over me. Have you ever been in a storm and it almost was like slow motion? It just sort of slowed down around you and you just got the sense that God was speaking to you? You quit, you quit focusing on all the problems and the circumstances and you just began to get the clue God is trying to say something to me. If you're a parent here tonight, when your child or when your young person, your family does wrong, listen, it's not that you want, to get, you want them to get down on their hands and knees and beg and say what a complete jerk they've been for whatever they've been doing. Well, maybe you want to a little bit. <laughs> but after a couple of minutes, okay. No, no, I'm just kidding. In all seriousness, 
The reason we discipline our kids is because we just want them to recognize what they've done so they can learn from it and be able to move on past it. And isn't it nice when we see our kids do that? Not, not, that, not that we want to see our, that our kids uh, humor us or just make us happy. Listen, that's the way some people feel about God. God just wants us to humor him or he's got some hoops for us to jump through and we're supposed to make him happy. And, and that's, not what, that's not at all what the Lord's trying to do. The Bible says that God wants to grow us. He wants us to learn from these lessons he's teaching us so that we can move forward from those mistakes. And I'm sure that when Jonah finally got to the point where he was getting it, can you imagine as a parent saying, yes, yes, I wasn't trying to punish you. I wasn't trying to make it hard on you. I was trying to help you to see the direction that you were going was hurting you and was disobeying me. And the purpose that I have for your life, that's what God would say. Write down Romans chapter 10, verse 9. In 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9. In Romans 10, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That word confess in the Bible just means that God says something about our condition and we agree with him about it. Did you hear that? Okay, write down 1 John 1, 9. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just or righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all the unrighteousness in our lives. If we confess, there it is again, if we say again, if we say the same thing God said, what it's saying is that God is saying to us, here's the condition of your life. Will you listen to what I'm saying to you, that here's where you are? Will you recognize that condition and just admit to, you, to me that you realize where you're at and that you want it to change. That's really what's being brought out. Jonah is beginning to get it. Okay, God, I see what I've done. But then the last thing is this. Trust that God will save you. This is really incredible to me. If the previous point that we talked about, admitting what we've done. Now, Jonah probably could have been named Robbie, okay? Because he was hard-headed. No amens from anybody out there, because I know some of you, all right? I'm just kidding, guys. Laugh, all right? It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Loosen up. But Jonah was a hard-headed guy. So for him to admit that what he was doing was wrong was a big step, but this really, to me, is even more surprising than that, and I think it's going to challenge each one of us. What am I talking about? Look at some of the things that Jonah said in these verses. Look at verse 2. He said, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Now listen to these words. In verse uh, 2, the second part of that verse, he says, I called to the Lord, and you heard my voice. The last part of that verse. In verse 4, he says, I will look again to your holy temple. In verse 6, he says, you, brought, you have brought my life up from the pit. In verse 7, he says, my prayer has come to you, God. In verse 9, he says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. And then in verse 9, he says, I've made some commitments to you, Lord, and I'm going to keep those commitments. And maybe even most interesting is in verse 9, the last part of that verse, he says, salvation is from the Lord. You say, well, Pastor Robbie, what's the big deal? Well, the reason you say that is because we've already read verse 10. Now, don't miss this. 
What we need to be aware of is that when Jonah was saying those things to and about the Lord, he had not yet been delivered. What does that mean? Now hang on, because I'm about to get excited. Okay, you're about to get excited. It means that somehow in the midst of all of that, Jonah got it. Listen, I'm not just talking about he got it and that he, he saw that he was in the wrong spot. We've already talked about that. We need to get to that point. But he got that, he got that fact that he had done wrong. But he got, he got the fact that he had caused a lot of problems in his own life for a lot of other people. He got the fact that God had saved him from death, even though there was still the small problem of being in the belly of this great fish in the bottom of the ocean. But I'm still alive. And he had turned back to the Lord. And while he was still in the middle of that big mess, in the belly of a fish of some kind, but a large one, in the bottom of the sea, and with seaweed all over his face, isn't that stuff nasty? And while he was still in the dark digestive juices of a fish, Jonah began having a little worship service. And he knew that the Lord was going to take care of him. Wow. Wow. That's that little something extra when I read the Bible. Amen? That's the, okay. You know, I had a sense that I was supposed to recognize the wrong, but this is something I wouldn't have came up with. You mean in the middle of all that, something began to open up for Jonah. This is different for me. Friend, we have to admit that our sin, our running from God, does bring unpleasant circumstances into our lives. Amen? And many times, God does not change our circumstances. Sometimes He does. I'm thankful, I'm sure Jonah was thankful that he didn't stay in the belly of a fish in the bottom of the sea for the rest of his life. God did change Jonah's circumstances, and sometimes He'll change yours. However, something that we cannot factor out of our relationship with God, if we truly get it, if we see what we have done, if we're sorry for it, if we acknowledge it and we turn to the Lord, we cannot underestimate the power of grace. Guys, listen. As you're hearing about this God, you ought to hear He is a great God. Man, He is gracious. Man, He is powerful. Man, He is good. Man, he is personal. He's not just some deity. He's not just some religion. He's not just some dead idol. He's not just some big God that's telling me what to do and I have to behave and all that kind of stuff. He is a God who created me, who loves me, who is interactive with my life right now, no matter how high I go, Psalm 139 says, or no, how, no matter how low I go, no matter how far I go that way, no matter how far I go that way, he is with me. And when I put my trust in Him, I've told you before, and this is a great image of that, if you are in the darkest of darks, of dark nights, but you know that the Lord is with you, you ought to just have a little bit of a grin come across your face. Because you know, all right, I don't see it yet, but somewhere in this dark room, there is a light about to start coming through. Amen? Isn't that good news? 
Jonah started getting that. Now again, let's don't misinterpret that. We don't need to misunderstand this to mean that when we get into trouble, we ought to say, oh good, I can get in trouble, I can ask God to help me, and He will, and so then I'm all set. That's called manipulating God, and guess what? You can't. If that is your heart, God knows it. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. We're not just using God as a free ride because if that's our attitude, we're missing it and we cannot win playing that game with God. But if you come to Jonah, if you come to the Lord like Jonah did, like we said, honestly, he will either take away your mess. Thank God he does do that sometimes. Amen? There have been times in my life that I was in a mess and I say to the Lord, Lord, I don't deserve this, but God, please, will you get me out of this? Anybody ever been there? Lord, I don't deserve this, but please get me out of this. Many times he does. And I just say, thank you, Lord. And I would not dare say, oh, good, man, I'm good. I got out of that one. wonder if I can do it again. Amen? We'll just try it and see. Because eventually the Lord will say, Burger King, have it your way. No, what we're talking about is a relationship with God where He is so kind to us. You know what? He knows my heart. Does He know your heart? Yes, He does. He knows my heart. He knows that Robbie needed that one more. And He knows when I say, Lord, I get it this time. I'm so sorry. Please have mercy on me. Especially, and I'll just tell you, I'm just going to tell you a little secret of mine. A lot of times I'll say, Lord, have mercy on me for their sake. I don't deserve for my sake, but just so I can be your servant for others. I think that's a great attitude to have. But you know what? He'd even do it if it was just for you. Because he loves you. Jonah began to pick up on that. He began to see in the middle, and guess what? Guess what happened? Let me write down, let me uh, give you Psalm 40, verse 2 first before we talk about that. In Psalm 40, verse 2, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. And what did God do with a prayer like that? You know what he did? After Jonah, by faith, trusted in God's goodness, I can almost see that big fish start climbing up through the water column. However, that needed to be accomplished for Jonah to make it. And kids, this is the only place in Scripture I know of where God commands someone to burp. (laughs) And some of you moms say, Pastor Rob, you shouldn't have said that. Well, I could say what it really says, vomit. (laughs) Isn't that hilarious? That's what that fish does. He comes up, and he spits Jonah out. I wonder how many of us tonight are ashamed to come to God. How many of us are thinking to ourselves, you know what, I shouldn't be in this spot. I shouldn't have to be asking God to help me. I should have known better. It's my own fault. I'm going to have to find my own way out. Like we said, that, that's, that's all nice and heroic and everything. But the biggest problem with it is what? It's not true. 
can't find my way out. You know what, tonight, why don't you just say, Lord, you know what? I'm sorry for what I've done. There's something called repentance, right? We've heard of that. I'm sorry for what I've done. But it's not a sorrow that leads to death, like 2 Corinthians 7 talks about. It's not a sorrow that crushes us. It's a sorrow that opens us up to now God coming in and filling what we tried to do ourselves. I wonder how many of us are just absolutely unwilling to admit I took a wrong turn. Isn't it hard to admit you're wrong? Especially to your parents. I mean, God's always right. Amen? <laughs> so, I, I don't want to... I'm, I'm holding on. No, there's, there's got to be some other way. I can do this. or I don't, I don't want to admit it. You know what? Get used to the idea of surrender. It's okay to say, I can't do it. And not that we're just like laying on the ground expecting God to pick us up like puppets. No, there's some, there's some Him working in us and, and, and us allowing Him to and working through us and all that. But you know what? He's got to initiate it. He's got to empower it. He's got to do it through me. So why don't you just get okay with the idea of just, God, I can't do it without you. That's a great place to get to. Stop fighting the Lord. And then tonight... Would you, in the middle of your mess, just say, Lord, it's kind of crazy. It doesn't make a lot of sense from where I sit. But according to what your word says, from right here where I am, no matter how dark it is, if I put my trust in you, I cannot help but win. The Bible says in Romans 8, we are more than conquerors through him. Overwhelmingly conquerors through Christ. Would you trust him for that victory tonight? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your servant Jonah. We thank you for your work in his life and for recording that and for using that in our lives tonight. Lord, it's no fun to be at the end. It's no fun to be at the bottom. Father, sometimes that's the most fruitful place for us to be in terms of your work in our lives because we're so hard-headed or we're running so hard that that's the only time we actually look up and look to you. And we're at the end of ourselves. There's no more faking. There's no more pretending. There's no more trying. I know I can't do it without God. So, Lord, I pray if there's someone here tonight, maybe there's a Christian. Lord, they know that their, their lives depend upon you. Their salvation depends upon you. Lord, they know that in their head, but they've moved far away from you in that personal relationship. God, I just pray tonight that you would just bring them to just being tired of that. And Lord, if there's someone here that knows that they need to give their life to you, Jesus. First of all, I thank you for your servant, Jacob, who came tonight and who shared his testimony with us, Lord. And I pray that you would work through what I've shared, what we've sung together, his testimony, every part of this service tonight, and what your Holy Spirit would say to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to someone and say, it's your turn now. 
I'm speaking to you. The waves that are crashing around you, you can hear God's voice even through those waves. Don't harden your heart tonight. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And I turn to you and I give my life to you. I surrender to you. I ask you to forgive me to come in and take control of my life. I want you to be my Savior. Heavenly Father, we pray that your work would be done in hearts right now in Jesus' name. Amen.